guys. You're listening to Share Crime Podcast. I'm Kenzie. And I'm Amy. Today, we are bringing you another story from our home state. This is the seventh episode in our series we like to call Minnesodes. Amy will be sharing this case with us today, like you. I have not heard it, so without further ado, I'll hand it over to you. Why, thank you. <laughs> it's my favorite part of I these. I seriously <laughs> love Minnesota entries. Me too. Entries? Intros. Yes, me too. <laughs> Any way to enter into an intro. <laughs> yes. What is happening with our lives? <laughs> All right. So this time I am going to cover the case of Katie Poyer. Before I get started, I did take this information from two different sources, uh, one of them being Murderpedia.com, because they're pretty much amazing. Yes, they are. And ThePublishedPen.com. I didn't go on to any news articles, because I feel like they just kind of become redundant. Yeah. So these were the two places I took it from, and I feel like it gave me enough information to be able to explain the story. I'm just going to go on record and say, when it comes to the Minnesodes, we're not spending eight hours deep diving into these stories to give every single detail in its exact way that it should be. Right. Some of the information that we get from the sites may be a little bit off. All right. So we understand uh, that, you know, it may not be 100% accurate, but I feel like it's pretty fucking close. Yeah. And I think it tells the story. I think that's our goal with these um, is to tell these stories that happened so close to our homes. Right. This one, not quite super close to our homes, but definitely still here in Minnesota. And it was a big one. It was also requested by one of our friends in our sheer crime discussion group on yeah. Facebook, Stephanie. So, Stephanie, this one's for you. On May 26th of 1999, around 11.38 p.m., Katie Poyer was abducted from DJ's Expressway Conoco, which is a gas station, while working her shift at this convenience store. Now, the store is located on I-35, and it's basically on the outskirts of Moose Lake, Minnesota. So it's a ways away. And I feel like I've heard this story before and or the name because her name sounds so familiar to me, but I cannot pinpoint what happens or transpires in this story because it's been so long, but it does sound very familiar to oh, me. Oh, you're totally going to remember this story. Now, the nice part about where this happened, even though it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere, I mean, Moose Lake. Where is that? What is that by? So Moose Lake is about 104 miles away from Minneapolis in the northeast direction. Is it kind of by Brainerd area-ish? So it's about 40 miles from Duluth. Okay. Yeah, like it's, it's up that direction. Literally probably in the middle of the state, in the middle of nowhere. Right. And like nobody has ever been there. <laughs> Right. Or heard of it, right. right? But the nice part about the gas station that this occurred at was that they did have a surveillance system and they were able to provide footage of this abduction that had been obtained. Thank God, because we always hear about these gas station cameras not being turned on or right. the recording being recorded over or it not being plugged in that day. You know, we, there's always these excuses. So thankfully, they have their shit working. Yeah, they actually, out there in Moose Lake, they got their shit together. <laughs> they do. Now, there was a problem, though, because with this gas station footage, the resolution was really grainy. 
And usually CCTV is. Right. So it wasn't great. And the police could not, with certainty, identify the suspect in the video. But the video did show Katie being forced out of the store around like 11.40 p.m. with her abductor's hand on the back of her neck. So kind of like leading her out. I seriously used to do this to my kid whenever she was being a little dick and, you know, in the store. <laughs> I just grab her by the back of the neck like, get out. We're leaving. Yep, we're leaving right now. They also kind of believe that she may have also had like a cord tied around her neck oh based God. on the appearance of her kind of touching her own throat as she's walking out. So he's got the back of her neck and she's kind of touching her throat in the front, which would kind of make you think that maybe there's something there and she's trying to keep it away enough to be able to breathe. Something restricting her breathing. Right. Oh, that's scary. And to see that footage of that happening... Could you imagine being the manager or something watching that and seeing this actually happen on footage? Unfortunately, not being able to see who did it, but still terrifying. Yeah. And just for the record, Katie was only 19 years old when this happened. She was working, obviously, the night shift. She had told her parents that everything would be just fine, but her parents were not super thrilled about her taking this shift. I mean, as you can imagine, she's a young girl. Yeah. She's beautiful. And she's working overnight at a gas station. My parents would have never, ever allowed me to do that. Uh, no. Never. They would have said, absolutely not. You're 19 years old. You're making, what, minimum wage at the gas station? You're going to say no to that night shift. Yeah. You can work during the day, but at night, absolutely not. And you're in Moose Lake, probably in the middle of nowhere. Yep. People can take you and no one's going to know where you are. Yeah. 100%. Scary. Now, what they were able to find out was that the suspect was wearing blue jeans. He was wearing a New York Yankees baseball jersey with the number 23 on the back of it. And he had a backwards baseball cap on. He was estimated to be approximately 5'10", about 170 pounds. He had long, blonde, or graying hair. It was hard to tell, but it was light. But he also looked to be only around like 25 years old interesting so he didn't look to be super old and it didn't seem like he was trying to hide his identity not really however that does change a bit does it did they see anything about the vehicle so did they take her to their vehicle yes so a witness actually reported seeing a black pickup truck near the gas station that night and this witness was even able to give a partial plate number to police no yeah so I think they had, like, the three letters and two of the numbers. I mean, they had pretty much the entire freaking... Oh, yeah. That is phenomenal. That is phenomenal. That doesn't happen. That shit does not happen. It's Moose Lake. There's probably three cars in the whole town, (laughs) and this one stood out. I'm sorry. Everyone's taking plate numbers in their car. They're like, this shit's not right. That is not Bob's truck. (laughs) That does not look right. This is suspicious. We don't know these people. We're writing the shit down. Absolutely. I'm not going to lie, though. There are times, because for whatever reason, sometimes license plates stick out to me. Or numbers stick out to me in, like, random ways. I'm, like, Rain Man that way. (laughs) And every once in a while, something will make me uncomfortable about a vehicle. And I will start repeating their license plate in my head. Just in case. Oh, yeah. Of course, by the time I get home, I've completely forgotten why that car (laughs) made me suspicious, what the license plate was, and really what day it is in my name. But I had intentions. For sure. That we're good. Absolutely. And I think it's good to be aware of those things because there are cars that are real sketch and the people that are driving them, 
Holy shit. Watch out for that person. For because real. it's it's creepy and weird. Yeah. I don't like it at all. You get that gut instinct that something's wrong. Absolutely. Now, based on four different witness statements that were given, a composite sketch was able to be made and distributed to local media based on the video as well as those statements. Nice. So they had a little bit of something to go on pretty quickly. Now, a little background. Donald Albin Blom, born in 1949, was checked out very soon after Katie's disappearance. He had a pickup, though white in color at the time, registered to his name and matching that partial plate that had been given to police. So you're saying that the color of the vehicle could have been changed? Potentially, but I don't think that's the case. Okay. At that time, Blom had worked at a Minnesota veteran's home under the name Donald Hutchinson. On June 18th, a former co-worker named Daryl Brown actually called the tip line that were set up by police, reporting that Blom seemed to match this composite sketch that was circling the media and also told them that Blom had been absent from work the day following Katie's disappearance. Hmm. Little weird. Throwing up some red flags there. Red flags. So he'd also recently cut his hair off, so changed his appearance. Yep. And he stopped driving his black pickup truck. Oh, so he has a black pickup truck. Yes. Wow. At the same time, he had also recently quit his job at this veteran's home, which he had been like a janitor, completely without notice. So just quit and was done. Fishy, fishy, super, super One fishy. red flag after another. Yeah. At this point, they're just glowing flags. Investigators soon come to find out that Blom owned a 20-acre property approximately 12 miles from the convenience store that Katie worked at. They also find out from neighbors that he had spent a lot of time there prior to her abduction, but really hadn't been there since. So he was preparing and planning for something, wasn't he? It sure seems that way, doesn't it? Now, police also learn that Blom had been convicted earlier of abducting seven other petite young girls just like Katie. Oh, gosh. Now we know it's him. Come for, on. I know. In 1975, he had kidnapped a 14-year-old girl, gagged her and raped her, and then locked her in his trunk. Fortunately, she was able to escape and turned him in, like, immediately. Now, three years later, he commits aggravated assault. He was arrested again in 1983 for criminal sexual conduct. That same year, he'd also threatened two teenage girls at knife point in a very secluded, like, remote area. He had tied them to a tree, gagged them with socks in their mouths, and then he went on to choke and revive one of the girls several times. Oh my god, this Very guy is Rodney demented. Alcala, right? Seriously. Yeah. And he had told them that he was going to rape them. When all of a sudden a police officer notices their car, the girls' car had been parked like in the wrong direction. So this was kind of like, I almost want to say it was like a pull-off point or something. Okay. Because there was clearly like parking spots, but it was also like very remote and secluded, right? Because yeah. they're in the woods. But he notices their cars parked the wrong way, so he gets out to go check it out. Blom fled into the woods. He very shortly after changed his appearance by dyeing his hair. 
But he was arrested about two months later when one of the girls recognized him out in public. What a sick fuck. I am so glad that that girl ratted his ass out when she saw him. Fuck yeah. Because that is an experience that if you see that kind of person... It is photographic memory oh, at yeah, that it's point. Seared into it your brain. Never gets erased. So I'm sure he could have tried to change everything about his appearance and she knew exactly who she was because she could feel those little hairs standing up on the back of her neck immediately when she saw him. I guarantee it. No, a hundred percent. I don't think that's something that will ever ever leave you. No. Well, when he is arrested for that, he does plead guilty. In nineteen ninety two, he's examined by a psychologist. They suggest That if he is not closely monitored, it's very likely that he's going to engage in additional antisocial behavior. But despite this kind of prognosis, Blom would go on to change his name, get a job, and get married. He somehow wasn't super antisocial. He was able to fake it to an extent. And how was he able to change his name? If he is getting into trouble... And doing these kind of acts with young women, raping them, kidnapping them, whatever he's been doing, how is he allowed to change his name? He's basically able to become some different person to continue to do this shit. How is that allowed? Isn't it insane? I don't understand. What kind of documents, what kind of process do people have to go through to change their fucking name? Because clearly... It's not well monitored. If this guy is being allowed to change his name, what the fuck? Anyone is going to be able to change their name at this point. I know. And this isn't even that long ago. So it's not like we don't have, you know, documentation or background checks. Right. This is in the mid 90s. We had some pretty good things in place to help us with predators, convicts, all that kind of stuff. Right. Criminals. Clearly, they were just letting everyone and their brother change their name, though. Like, why? It's Moose Lake. I don't know. (gasps) What the fuck? (laughs) I'm kidding. Now, by 1999, he would have under his belt six felony convictions, five of them involving kidnapping and sexual assault. And he's out in this world living free? he's out living free. I don't understand that. It pisses me right the fuck off. I truly believe that if somebody is ever convicted of kidnapping with sexual assault... They shouldn't be allowed out again. Never. It doesn't ever leave that person. I don't care how much therapy you put them through. I don't care how many programs you put them in. These people, that is how their mind is wired. That's why we see the behavior over and over and over again. But the sentencing is so lenient with these criminals and they're getting out after six months, a year. They're not even spending enough time in prison to, quote, change as people. There is no rehabilitation. Absolutely not. When you're fucked like that. No, absolutely not. Now, Blum was actually camping with his family approximately 140 miles from his home. He was down near Richfield at this point, which is just south of, like, Minneapolis. Yep. He was kind of hanging out with his family when police show up to originally kind of question him. Now, later that day, on June 22nd, he's arrested while driving home. He was friendly, cooperative, but completely refused to give any statement and requested counsel immediately. Meanwhile, investigators and over 100 National Guard members and several hundred volunteers from the community searched the expansive property that he had in Moose Lake. Hell yeah. Yeah. 
but no body was found. Several firearms were, and given his prior convictions, Blom was not allowed to carry right. any type of firearm. Right. So, I mean, that's one count against him for sure. Well, and that allows the police Time. to arrest him. Yeah. Get him locked up so they can get the rest of their evidence put together to get his ass away for the rest of his damn life. Now, on the second day of the search, though, several small bone fragments, as well as a charred portion of a human tooth, was found in a fire pit on the property. Now, they were sent to a lab, like, immediately. They were determined to be human, but the DNA results were inconclusive. They were way too small. I think they'd been damaged far too much. But dental experts stated that the filling found in that portion of the tooth matched fillings that would have been used for Katie. Interesting. I love that kind of stuff when it can be linked back by like not even the actual tooth, but like what you had done on your teeth. It's fascinating. It is. Do you know, for the longest time growing up when they would talk about dental records Mm -hmm. and like being able to like match those... I literally thought that fillings had, like, numbers attached to them. You know, like how, like, serial numbers, like, right. implants do yeah, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. But I was like, oh, no, it's just like, okay, if she's got fillings here, here, and here, right? it's consistent with this person. Yeah. It's yeah. probably them. Never put two and two together. <laughs> Our minds like to imagine. I really thought really cool stuff. far more advanced than they were. <laughs> But they did determine that this tooth did belong to a young female and that the chances of it belonging to Katie were very high. Now, on September 8th, Blom confessed to abducting Katie, strangling her, and burning her body on his property. His account was a bit inconsistent with evidence. For example, he had said that she had accompanied him out of the convenience store and then he choked her to death back at his property. The material he also claimed to use to burn her corpse was not sufficient enough to reduce a human body to ash. So he said he used like wooden paper, but that's not going to burn hot enough Sure. to bring a body down to such low levels of evidence. So they were already seeing the inconsistencies in his story and the lies coming through. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, evidence is evidence. Right. After much drama and deliberation in the courtroom, drama being at one point, I mean, he's like yelling at people in there. I mean, he's just, he's a mess of a person. Wow. I need to see what this fucker looks like. <sighs> he's not. Yeah. It's it's scary because he doesn't look super scary. He looks like a normal guy. And I don't like that. After all of this, Blom was convicted of first degree murder and life without parole. He is done. Like, Thank God. Gone. A Minnesota law, informally known as Katie's Law, came about from this, which tightened up sex offender laws that implemented longer prison terms to repeat offenders. So like we were saying, you know, with all of his prior convictions, that actually kind of helped give him that life sentence and for future people who have these problems. That's awesome and should have been in place a while back, but thankfully... Now it is put in place. Do we know where he's staying? So according to a couple of different news sources, it sounds like he is actually being held at Fairbolt State Prison. So okay. in Fairbolt, Minnesota. I actually have friends that live in Fairbolt. Um, I have family that lives there. Yeah. So, well, I mean, it's very rural. 
It's oh, a very rural type yeah, of town. Yeah, it's the Moose Lake of North, you know, yeah, South. Yeah, so it makes it makes <laughs> sense that a prison would be there because there's yeah. nothing around it. It's yeah. literally barren land, cornfields, basically. Right. So Katie herself was a very independent, bubbly, and vivacious 19-year-old girl. She was reported to love sports, her family, and dogs. She had been attending community college at that time for criminal justice And her plan had been to become a police officer. She was going to be getting married soon. And they were going to move to Montana. So she had such a life ahead of her. It's so, so sad. Yeah. That people just take other people's lives. Yeah. Like it doesn't fucking matter. I can't still. I think that's why I'm so interested in true crime is because I I literally can't understand that mindset. No, me and neither. that brain capacity. Mm-hmm. Because I care for people. Even people I don't know. If I see them in a bad predicament, if whatever. I, you, you feel for those people. You feel bad for them. Yeah. And there's these people that just don't give a shit about a single other person on this earth except themselves. Yeah. It's just crazy. No, it is crazy. So that is the shortened version of the murder of Katie Poyer. There was no explanation as to why he went after her. There's nothing that says that he knew her. He was obviously older than the 25-year-old they thought he was. But again, his appearance from the back in a Grady video with long blonde hair at the time appeared to be of someone of a younger age. But yeah, it's sad. I think her being at the gas station alone at night had something to do with it. It was easy for him to take her, you know? I don't even think he needed to know who she was. Right. He could tell that she was young enough that he could take advantage of her and and scare her, right? Yeah. Oh. Awful. It it is awful. Well, thank you so much for sharing that story with us and and giving us this Minnesota this week. Appreciate it as always. Thank you. In normal fashion, we are going to share one of the reviews that we got from a listener. My favorite part of our week when we get to share all of the wonderful reviews you are all leaving us. Agreed. Now, this one was titled Sheer Awesomeness. <laughs> and this was by KBuff61. And they state, are you into podcasts with great sound quality, awesome content, and two women that are both passionate and not afraid to give their honest opinion? Well, check, check, big check, and for sure check. If those aren't things you enjoy in a podcast, they probably weren't wanting you to listen anyway. (laughs) I love that. Said the words out of my mouth. I mean, literally, (laughs) we have our own people out there. Not everybody is our people. Not everyone's going to love our style. I don't think everyone's going to love our honesty, our passion, our swearing, the different things that we bring to the table. But it's who we are. Lightheartedness about dark things right and i think it's just it's who we are and how we express our feelings about these things because a lot of these things are very very hard to comprehend and understand so you have to deal with them in certain ways and again neither one of us will ever be described as a ray of sunshine that (laughs) brightened up the fucking room that is correct (laughs) so thank you so much kbuff61 we really really appreciate the feedback we love that you reviewed our podcast it really 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 does help us in the platform and helps us gain more listeners. Yeah. So if you would like, please go do that. Review and rate our podcast. You can also follow us on our social media accounts 
On Instagram, we're at share underscore crime underscore podcast. Twitter, at share crime pod. We have a Facebook group, share crime podcast discussion group. And any requests that you guys have for future episodes, please send them to our personal inbox, requests at sharecrimepodcast.com. We thoroughly love all of you. We can't even believe how many listeners we have. It is still so astounding to us. It is. It's amazing. We love every second of this and enjoy you all so much. Stay safe, stay sane, and don't forget, never run with scissors. Bye, guys. Bye.